You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon. And since it's Friday, it's really my favorite time of the week because it's time for the Agenda Cafe. And I'd like to welcome back on the program our wonderful co-host, Karen Ko. Karen, hi. It's great to see you. How are you doing today? Good. Hi, Noreen. I'm so happy to hear you say it's your favorite time of the week. It's my favorite time of the week, too, because, of course, it is Friday afternoon and I get to talk to you. So, yeah, we're, I'm doing really well and I'm really excited for today's show. So today's show uh, kind of came about because right now there is a very interesting online festival going on and it's called the Sugar and Spice Asia Sexuality Festival. So it's been running since Wednesday and it runs till tomorrow, actually. It's a, a virtual festival and it has a huge range of topics from burlesque to vaginismus to BDSM to sexual violence. And the whole idea is really for it to share positive messages and learning around sex, sexuality and sexual wellness. So that's right up our alley. Um, and one of the sessions, which is actually taking place tomorrow evening, is called Being Male. And that's a deep dive into male identity, sexuality, upbringing, and many, many other things. And I'm really excited to have two of the participants of that session joining us now. And they're going to talk about some of these issues and also give us a bit of a curtain raiser ahead of their event. And I always feel like we never get enough men telling us their stories. So it's great that both of them have, a, a, have been able to come on today and are going to share with us. So very happy to be joined by Luke Elijah Lim. He's going to be the moderator of the Being Male panel. And it's so hard to describe Luke because he does so many things. So I'm just going to choose three of them and we can go from there. So he's an entrepreneur. He's a life coach. He has long been uh, in the fashion industry as a fashion photographer and writer. And he's so many other things. He's joining us from Singapore. And we're also joined by Edwin Chan, who's one of the founders of the sexual wellness brand, We Are FK. And that is a brand aiming to raise awareness around physical and mental well-being and also helping people explore and discover their own identity. So Luke and Edwin, welcome to the Agenda Cafe. Thanks for joining us today. Hey guys, how you doing? Thank you, Karen. This is Nori for inviting us. It's a great privilege and honor to be on your show. So thank you once again. We really appreciate it. Thank you Not for at being all. here. Now, we'd really like to get to know you better first. So maybe, Luke, if you want to go first, can you just introduce yourself more, um, you know, your background, both, you know, the, the personal and professional side, and, you know, why a topic like this is something that you're interested in talking about? Absolutely. I'd be happy to share. And like you mentioned, uh, I'm kind of like a renaissance man, or a jack of all trades. I do a little bit of everything. I'm not a one-trick pony. So, uh, but you did introduce me very well, right? Uh, primarily, I'm a writer, photographer, and stylist for the media, and I freelance for a variety of magazines and online publications uh, and media uh, since uh, my teens. And I used to work in fashion and beauty, the fashion and beauty industry, and then I shifted to more wellness, travel, lifestyle, and uh, since my spiritual awakening more than 10 years ago, I started a uh, holistic uh, healing center in Singapore called Heaven on Earth together with my parents. And so I go around the world teaching in different festivals. I teach meditation and yoga and spiritual emotional healing and all kinds of holistic wellness, like sound healing, for example, and aromatherapy. So I, it's all integrated, it's all holistic. And so how this came about that I uh, was chosen to be the moderator of the uh, Big Meal 
uh, panel discussion that's happening at the sugar, the third Sugar and Spice Festival was that the founder and creator of the festival, Dr. Martha Lee, who is a brilliant uh, and very energetic and passionate lady, uh, she is a good friend of mine and we met at the festival, uh, the wonderful festival that was held in Pattaya a couple of years ago. And we were both teachers there and she attended my session and she just walked up to me and, and we started chatting. And we, back then we have only heard of each other by name, but never actually met. And, you know, uh, one thing led into another and as you say, the rest is history. And so I was already teaching as was facilitated in the previous two installments of the Sugar and Spice Festival. And it started uh, last year during the COVID lockdown when everything went online. Uh, and so it's it's been very successful. And this is why this is the third edition. And as you mentioned, the panel discussion wraps up the festival tomorrow. And as we are speaking, the festival is running right now online. Yeah, that's great. Um, Edwin, what about you? Tell us a bit more about your journey. Um, I know you didn't start in the sexual wellness area, right? No, no, that, that's a relatively new thing to me. Uh, so I used to be super corporate, as, as corporate as it gets. Uh, I was a risk manager and statistician uh, for, an for multiple insurance companies in the UK. Uh, basically middle office purgatory. So very, uh, it's, it's exactly like the way you'd imagine it. And I was stuck in a rut at the time and was just constantly frustrated and dissatisfied and I didn't know why until I went through my own kind of personal journey of self-discovery, of really trying to figure out who I am, what I want. And from that, I quit my job, moved to Hong Kong to be closer to family. And now I'm an entrepreneur uh, in the WeRFK brand trying to help people find their happiness by doing something that makes me happy, which is talking about self-discovery and helping discover your own kind of interests and where you kind of fit in this whole universe of earth and the world, right? It sounds like, Edwin, you initially followed a path that you were expected to follow, you know, join yeah, oh, yeah. the world, have a high paying job, mm. um, you know, uh, make a living, etc. which is the path that many men in particular are expected to follow. Mm. How did you come to the point where you not just realized this is not for me, but, you know, it takes an act, a bit of bravery to actually do something about it. Mm. Yeah. I, I think definitely as, uh, Society has very strong opinions on how people should live their lives, especially in kind of Asian families. The moment you're born, you're told, you know, this is what you're going to do. This is how I remember being quite young, like four, five. The moment, you know, when you start to kind of have your own kind of cognitive understanding of yourself, that I was told what I was going to be 20, <laughs> 20 years down the line. Which was what? what? What were you supposed to be? Uh, it started off with, uh, well, it was a process of elimination. So my father, this, imagine having this conversation with your parents when you're five. Okay, when you grow up, you get four choices. You're either a doctor, an accountant, a lawyer, or an actuary, which is a statistician. I didn't want to be a lawyer because I hated reading. My dad is an act, uh, was an accountant, and he said, don't be an accountant. 
and I didn't want to be a doctor. So really, I just had to be a statistician. And then from that age onwards, I just went to the school that they told me to do my best to get the grades they wanted me to got uh, two degrees in statistics and ended up working as a statistician for about 10 years. Now, how did I break from that? Extreme unhappiness, I think, is a really big motivator. Uh, and the motivation came from the fact that I was unhappy and really didn't understand why. And I was starting to think for myself why I would be unhappy as an individual. And I was going through a really bad time. They say the four most stressful things in life is a uh, change of job, moving house, uh, end of a relationship, and a close death of a close friend and family member. And all four of these things kind of happened in, in the space of a month. Uh, mm -hmm. So that really got me thinking about what I really wanted. And I suppose when you hit rock bottom, it's easy to kind of make a decision to turn your life around and really go for it. They say the, they say the only way is up. Edwin, did, did your parents know you were unhappy? Did they detect it uh, at all? No, no. Uh, I, I think this is... Did, did you so tell them? Was, or did, you sort of, did, did you tell them you were unhappy? Or was it sort of... Uh, there, there's always a front, you know, as we all, you know, there's that absolutely, expectation. Absolutely. Yeah. As... Uh, so I don't know what it is for other Asian families and, 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 and people, but I'm, for me, it was very much a, you can talk about whether you're happy or not, but the expectations I got from my parents was, it doesn't matter. You just need to do this and then you will be happy, uh, regardless of whether or not I agreed with whether the vision of happiness was what I wanted and or whether or not it's unachievable. Sometimes people's expectations are unachievable tasks so you're basically setting yourself up for failure um so to answer your question yes they were aware i'm sure they cared deep down inside in their own way so they projected their version of what happiness would be onto me yeah. and what was their okay. version of happiness get a high paying job and just work it and work really hard and have a boss that likes me and then i have succeeded mm. I think it's a not an uncommon expectation or pressure, particularly mm. for men and particularly for men in Asia. I mean, Elijah, uh, sorry, Luke, Luke, Elijah, what what are some of the stereotypes do you think boys, um, especially in Asia, are faced with growing up? I mean, uh, Edwin's story doesn't sound unfamiliar to me. Uh, not at all. I mean, I think what he just described, everyone to some certain capacity, every Asian male will have experienced growing up. And uh, I was a little bit luckier. My parents uh, gave me a lot of freedom, but uh, my father did want me to become a politician because <laughs> that's his dream. So basically, they want us to be what they failed to achieve, usually, or what they were taught by social conditioning on their parents so it becomes a generational curse so to speak that or what a success uh, means and usually success means get a stable job income job so uh yeah it's always the same doctor accountant lawyer you know and i think these stereotypes uh i think it's dissipating you know thankfully uh, more and more uh you, 
even my friends who are right now have kids, they say, you know, as long as my kid is happy, it doesn't matter if he really wants to be a fireman or astronaut or whatever, you know? So I think those times have rapidly shifted. And, but nonetheless, you know, uh, even though those paradigms have shifted, a lot of these uh, stigmas and traumas uh, and childhood woundings have nonetheless uh, traumatized mm-hmm. or been a part, uh, like part of your psyche growing up. And most most men are not even consciously aware that they have a wounded inner child. Mm-hmm. And those that are aware, uh, they don't really know what to do with it because uh, men are not, it's not taught in school. Your parents are going to teach you, your, your school doesn't teach you how to uh, deal with your feelings and emotions. In fact, to answer your question, one of the things is, uh, I recall my teachers and parents telling me not to cry. As a guy, I cannot cry. I cannot show my emotions. And as a result, because if you don't express your emotions or, or cry or be allowed to cry, your emotional maturity and capacity is that of a four or five-year-old child because that's what you remember. Four or five-year-old, you're taught, no, you cannot cry. It's weak to cry. It's feminine to cry. And so you repress and suppress all these human, normal, natural feelings and emotions deep down. And it becomes something like, for decades, you don't cry. You don't express any kind of emotion because it's seen as weak or effeminate. And that's such a disservice because regardless of your gender or sexuality, we have both yin and yang aspects. We have both feminine and masculine attributes in each one of, of us. And this needs to be balanced. There needs to be a harmonious equilibrium of the two. All right. So for example, if you're very in touch with your feminine aspects, you become very creative, very artistic and intuitive and nurturing. And these uh, maternal creative artistic aspects makes you a, a very good, let's say if you're an entrepreneur, it gives you creativity. Right? You know, if you're artistic, it makes, gives you lots of inspiration. If you're, if you're, whether you're a recording artist or performing artist or fine artist, it doesn't matter. So you need to be in touch with your family inside in order to bring those qualities out. So it's not to say that the, the, the masculine qualities are bad or the feminine qualities are better. I think we, we definitely need a balance of both regardless. And I think what's severely lacking is men do not have a chance to, to get in touch with their feminine side and then Hans recognize and nurture it. But I think it, it takes a lot of uh, uh, education and awareness and slowly we can recalibrate it and balance the two aspects out. It's also dangerous as well when when you repress these frustrations, yeah. ultimately it will manifest itself some way, either self-harm, uh, unhealthy attitudes to yourself, other people, uh, stress, you know, your health may fail, you overeat. These are all kind of manifestations or unhealthy manifestations of the, these frustrations trying to escape from you. Because it's got to go somewhere, right? Mm, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, so. it's interesting when you say that because sometimes we call out men for bad behavior, you know, sort of they they drink too much or they take drugs mm-hmm. or they're um, not, you know, if they're if they're heterosexual, they're not good to women. You know, they're sort of a bit abusive in mm-hmm. not in a physical sense, but just the way they treat women or even other male to male friendships. So maybe this is what we're seeing, you know, the sort of the manifestation of them being unable to have had uh be able to express their emotions fully in the past absolutely i think one of the most important skills in being an individual is your ability to 
converse and with yourself and other people and just try to understand and get along. That is one of the few skills or is a skill that just isn't taught in school. A school and the whole education system is based around facts, not about how you interpret these things and how you will approach it. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, the relationship or, or the way that you say that people treat other people is definitely stems from this issue, I think. And I also echo that point, you know, then you, you become rather emotionally stunted where, you know, you'll feel something, but then perhaps anger comes out. And, you know, as we often say, anger is often a secondary emotion, that there is something deeper than that. Perhaps, you know, you're frustrated, perhaps you're depressed or just that there's always something behind. But, you know, some men just are unable to scratch that surface because they've just not ha had that ability to to do so growing up because uh, as luke pointed Absolutely. out that you know you've not you know you've been told don't cry or you know as edwin you said you know that there are other outlets to rather than actually looking at the the, the actual issue now having you mentioned a really good point just now edwin and that is you, you were stuck in a rut and when you were stuck in a rut in a, in a rut how did you sort of come out of it um did you have friends and family to support you or were you sort of left to your own devices? And how can people, how can men in that, I'm sure there are men listening right now, and the yeah. pandemic is a really good example of that. We are now in the time of pandemic, and life, we realize life is too short. We should be doing yeah. things that we want to do more of, spend time uh, that we want me, to do. Wait, I. Yeah, go Sorry, on. come again? Yeah, no, go, 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 on. Okay. go on. So the way I processed it myself was, I, to be honest, I wasn't even. I didn't even know I was unhappy. I just always just walked around like I had a black cloud over me and I had a weight on my shoulders and was always just pissed off and frustrated. And it was only when I sat down and was like, why am I like this? That I realized, actually, you know what? Maybe I'm just really unhappy. And once you are consciously aware that you are unhappy about something, then you need to figure out, okay, why? Uh, and this is such a personal journey that as, as as nice as it is to be able to have family and friends to support you, this is your own personal journey. And it's just something you just have to figure out for yourself. And the way I figured it out was to just write a list. I, I bought myself a notebook and I wrote a list of what I don't like, what I do like, what I want and what I don't want in my own life. And then kind of find the things that kind of had similarities and figure out, okay, so what does this mean? And that's how I worked out for myself that I realized that I didn't want a middle office corporate job. I wanted to go out because I'm quite a sociable person and corporate middle office is probably the least social of all jobs possible. I remember my, my, my team or my manager went away for a week and literally nobody spoke to me for a week in the office. <laughs> I mean, work-wise, uh, we, we would take, you know, coffee breaks and all that. But outside of that, I just realized, okay, so my, my job is completely insignificant. I could disappear today and somebody would come in and do the job. And, and that made me very unhappy. So I went and figured out that what I wanted to do was something that involved working with people for people whenever I'm happy and this is my own personal happiness, is I'm happiest around other people that are happy. So why not help everybody be happy? 
Good for you. Good for you, Edwin. Well, we've got to take a quick break uh, for the 2.30 news. For our our viewers on Facebook, uh, do stay with us. Uh, We'll still be streaming uh, the news um, for about a a minute or so, so do bear with us there. A quick look at the weather forecast. Welcome back. You're listening to the Agenda Cafe this afternoon with me, Karen Coe and Noreen Nia on RTHK Radio 3. And um, we are on Facebook Live on Noreen's page. Go to Noreen Nia on RTHK Radio 3 on Facebook if you would like to watch our Facebook Live video. We're joined today by two guests. We're talking about being male, you know, being a man, being masculine, what it is all about and some of the struggles that that men have. And we're joined by Edwin Chan, who's one of the founders of the sexual wellness brand We Are FK, and also Luke Elijah Lim. And Luke is going to be the moderator of uh, a panel exactly on this topic tomorrow as part of the Sugar and Spice Asia Sexuality Festival. So before the break, um, Edwin, you were sharing part of your journey and how you broke away from unhappiness um and luke earlier on you were you were mentioning how a lot of um people are not even aware of their conditioning and the fact that you know they have been um guided to be a certain way since they were very young how i mean how do you gain that self-awareness and and self-love so that you can have your own journey i mean maybe you can share some of your journey with us Yes, uh, that's a really, really good question. And I would like to leave the audience with some pointers and tips on how they could uh, self-improve. Right? First of all, I think uh, we all have our stories. We all have our woundings and traumas and uh, past issues. And everyone has an emotional baggages. Right? But I think before we unwittingly and unconsciously shadow project those anger, rage, unhealed traumas onto others, we need to uh, heal and work on ourselves. And that's why they say that the best gift you could give to someone else is your own self-development because you truly cannot pour from an empty cup. You can only give what you already have. So if we become better versions of ourselves to begin with, then we are uh, much better equipped to be uh, of service to not just ourselves, but to society and other people in our lives, our loved ones. And okay, some of the pointers that uh, generally we could work on to create that kind of self-awareness. It's like what Edwin mentioned at first, journaling, right? Contemplation, meditation, uh, to to really get in touch with how, what you're truly feeling and be totally brutally honest with yourself, all right? And then there's a lot of, uh, about like going to see and speak to a therapist. And it's no longer taboo to see a therapist. It's not the same as seeing a psychiatrist. A ter- therapist is more like a friend that, you know, and to listen to you, to allow you to vent and, and discuss your issues and your frustrations, whether it's at work or with family, or, you know. And uh, I think seeing a therapist is very important. Everyone should do it. Even therapists have their own therapists, you know. And if not a therapist, a life coach, just, you know, someone someone that you can trust. Or actually, preferably someone who doesn't know you so they can come from a neutral state, all right, without judgment. And then, you know, uh, reading about the five languages of love and trying to really uh, receive and give love in all five ways, not just one dominant way. Uh, understanding before attachment styles, right? Pertaining to how you're brought up as a child. And, and you know, doing uh, holistic practices like yoga, breathwork techniques, 
even the, the topic about shadow work, understanding toxic masculinity, which is a huge buzzword in our society right now, right? It's become very mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so what, what has happened is uh, over the last uh, centuries and decades, there's too, too much of a proliferation of angsty, aggressive, violent masculinity, too much masculine energy that suppress and repress that feminine energy and aspects. And that's why women and feminine energy has been disrespected and disregarded as secondary. And we are changing that. We are kind of levering, playing, levering the playing field, so to speak. And how that came about for me, when I was uh, in my adolescence as a teenager, I grew up uh, as a homosexual man. I had a really hard time because back, time, back then, growing up in school, there was no internet. So, uh, and being gay is considered a joke, right? If it's on a movie, it's gay. Oh, you're gay, and everyone, the whole cinema will laugh. And so, Sorry, Luke, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm a cis male, and yeah. uh, cis being, um, for those that don't know, uh, a person who identifies with their biological and their identity as the same gender. Yeah. Um, I got a question for you. Uh, did you know you were gay, like from the very beginning? Oh, yes, absolutely. And to me, it was not. I, at three years old, I already knew I was attracted to guys, but not in a sexual way. It was just that I prefer guys. Mm. So, like, say my parents or my relatives, hey, this is your girlfriend. And, like, oh, no, I'm not interested. I like the boy there. You know, it's more ah. like, yeah, so I knew it was just a natural thing. It wasn't sinful or dirty or abnormal. Mm. It was just, I prefer guys. That's mm. it. And, you know, but, uh, yeah, I knew I knew all as young as three years old, you know. And so growing up, I was taught by my religion, my mm. school, my parents, my society to uh, that being gay is wrong. And so I felt really uh, like I felt bad, and I felt I tried oh, yes. so much to change, and I had a lot of self-loathing as a result. Mm. And also badly bullied in school because I, I was out in school. I refused to hide my sexuality because I was like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just, I'm a good guy. I'm just expressing mm. myself, right? I'm being myself. And I was really badly bullied. I was punched in the stomach. I was boxed in the face and they break my nose and, and they'll spit on me. They'll throw me in the trash bin. I was absolutely traumatized. Can I, can I, can I give you a little uh, compliment here? Is I think that the fact that you know from such an yeah. early age, that you are a person of really strong character. Uh, and the reason why I asked you that question earlier was because I personally didn't know until I was 16, in, into my late teens, maybe even 17, 18, um, because it was one of those things I never really explored. So it was like, I'm told I'm straight, I think I'm straight, but am I really straight? So that's the reason why I asked, because I personally didn't know. Uh, okay, I think it's everyone's Everyone's different, you know. Mm. I've heard uh, people who find out at a later age and those that at, as, as early as, as they were born, you know. Mm. So it's, and I think everyone, regardless of their gender and sexuality, we are a bit, supposedly a bit bisexual, right? Everyone yeah. has different it's definitely a sliding scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. a spectrum, as they say, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. So back to my personal story growing up, uh, I had a lot of anger towards God, towards society, and towards my parents, and and which I repress and suppress and numb myself with addictive behaviors such as shopping, such as playing video games, uh, such as, you know, uh, just just throwing, mostly throwing myself into work, being really busy, so busy and numbing myself with work 
and, and playing video games that I didn't have to look at my self-love and self-confidence issues. And this blew up in my face, right? Shit has to hit the fence. As you guys mentioned, at some point, it had, you had to revisit it. And, you know, I went through like countless like dark nights of the soul and where I was had to confront these, you know, unhealed wounds and developmental issues. And it wasn't, it wasn't nice. It was really ugly, you know. But I'm glad I, I was, you know, I confronted it. I worked on it. I healed myself. And it's a lifelong journey. And it, gets, it keeps getting easier and better. The, the, it, the more you're able to accept, release, perch, and get in touch with this uh, uh, side of you. And the moment you get in, you know, the, the funny thing is that the more you do this work, this inner work, the, the more you're able to then have the empathy, the compassion, the conviction, the wherewithal and the experience to help other people. And then you have, you know, you're able to have, because it's otherwise it's the blind leading the blind. If you have never done the work, mm. how can you then spot the red flags and see others and assist them? And so through my work as a coach and a teacher, I assist others going through the same thing. It's the same as people, cancer survivors will then help others with cancer because they know what it feels like, they know what it takes and they have the resources and the experience. So it's kind of the same thing. So I think as men, um, we're able to really, that's why uh, the Martha wanted a, a male to, to lead the panel. So that there's a shared camaraderie and esprit de corps. There's that male bonding, so to speak, that, hey, I've been down that route and it's possible I've triumphed through it and do not repress this uh, feminine side. So what I think what people understand is that in school and in society, we focus on the logical side, the facts and the figures and the science. I forgot, okay, the empathy, the, the creative side. And you don't need to choose one or the other. You can, you can be the sexual you, the logical you, the, the creative you, the artistic you, the emotional you, right? The physical you, all like physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, heart, mind, body, spirit, Wrote into wine. This is what is meant by holistic. Part of it, I mean, part of the acceptance is, you know, from yourself, Luke. What about acceptance from others? Because that's important for some people. Absolutely. What was it like, sort of coming out to your family, for example? And and I'm and I'm guessing, you know, we're we're all Asian here. There's an amount of conservative uh, parenting. I'm sure we've experienced it, but perhaps I know maybe your parents are more liberal. What, What was that journey like for you? Well, the irony is that the moment you come to your own personal self-acceptance and self-love and self-respect, well, when you work yourself internally, that internally manifests externally. People change over time. Their reactions to you, when they realize that you have that self-love and self-respect, they then respect you. You've so it's it. Tough, yeah, it's absolutely become a non-issue. My parents are supportive of the LGBT community. And, you know, uh, when I first told my dad, he he was really upset, obviously. I mean, he kind of always knew, but, you know, until I officially announced it to him when I was 18, uh, he he didn't know anyone gay. So to him, being gay means you're going to have HIV and you're going to have a horrible life. So, he, he, you know, he was upset with me and we didn't, we had a cold war for four months. We didn't speak to each other. And what happened was that he went to see five different psychiatrists and all five different, different psychiatrists told him the exact same thing that it's a biological condition. It's not something I could choose. All right. But he still couldn't reconcile it. And what made that difference was when he spoke to his, his elder sister, which is my godmother, and she said, 
regardless of what Luke is, regardless of his sexuality, whether it's gay, straight, doesn't matter. He's still your son. He's still your flesh and blood. And that was what clicked for him. And then after that, he came to acceptance, you know. And and now it's really, I mean, it's decades now. I mean, society has changed drastically. It's pretty much a non-issue these days. And it keeps getting better. So the younger generation of gay people uh, do not have to suffer like the older. And even... Old, older generations were gays before me, like those Brokeback Mountain era, they have an even harder time, you know, and some of them even have to actually marry women and pretend to be this double life and have kids. It's, it, you know, times, thank God, right? But thank God takes, times have changed, but it's still yeah. scary for, for each individual. It takes, yeah. it takes the, the, the courage the, to step out and do that work, that inner work, and come out of the closet. Because when you come out of the closet and you love yourself, accept yourself, you give rise to other people say, hey, this is nothing wrong. Absolutely. I'm, I'm who I am. Accept me for who I am or it's fine, right? And then you, people who don't, they fall off. And people who do, you attract a new soul trap, a new family. And those that are meant to be in your life, they change to, to accept you as who you are, right? And, and that's how people should do it. They should learn to, ex- how do you expect someone to accept you if you can't even accept yourself or love yourself first? Absolutely. So, and, it, you know, it's great to be able to live authentically and, and to live size. with yourself. What about for you, Edwin? Um, what was your, I mean, you mentioned just now, Edwin, you didn't even know until you were sort of 16. Um, what yeah. was your, your coming out journey like? Were your parents What well, was surprised? really coming out? It was more of a, um, I believe my journey was a lot less fraught with obstacles than, than Luke's, definitely. Um it was one of those things where I'm a firm believer that if you've never looked into these things, if you've never tried or even conceptually thought about it, it being whatever the topic is, how can you really make up your own mind as to whether you are, you aren't, you like, and what you don't like, right? Um, actually, something I wanted to, to build on that, that Luke mentioned just now was, uh, in terms of your question, which was, what if people were judging you and all that? I completely agree that the moment you find your inner you, you find out who you are and you know, know as in 100% yes, I like X, and 100% no, I don't like Y, the moment you know, other people's opinions start become much less important to you because you know. and. And if you didn't have people that supported you and people judged you for just your opinion, then that's not a nice relationship to maintain anyway. We talk about toxic masculinity, toxic relationships are one that you need to keep in mind as well. So if there are people that do judge you unfairly, subjectively, then you need to assess for yourself whether or not it's worth in this relationship because it's not healthy for them or for you and a lot of their judgments probably stems from their own insecurity of not knowing either and fear i mean so yeah. much of what we're judgmental about is based on fear and, and not not on understanding or knowledge um, fear worry anxiety and these are all things that we all suffer from at some point as well yeah. and 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 they probably project their judgment onto you because they don't know and it's their way of, of, of kind of making themselves feel better. Mm. So I think, Karen, you mentioned earlier that a lot of people, or was it Noreen? Anyway, was that some people find it very important to be liked. And I think, 
and, and I'd love Luke's opinion on this as well, is I think that a lot of people that thrive to be liked comes from the fact that they don't like themselves and they can't cope with the journey of actually figuring figuring out because like luke said it's brutal you've got to be brutally honest like when i was going through my own journaling making my list of myself there are things i didn't like about myself that you just don't want to admit and until you admit and acknowledge it you're never really going to actually work on it I, I don't so, know, Edwin. I, I like to be liked, but I, I like myself, I think. Yeah, I do. Oh, well, <laughs> well, being liked is very, like, don't get me wrong. No, no, you got I me like thinking. Oh, no. Well, I, well, I like being doing liked. my journaling well. tonight. But, 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 if, but if, your whole, if your whole sense of self is based on being liked, which I don't think you are, Noreen, then you, you need to figure out why you don't like yourself. Mm. If yeah. being liked is more important than you liking yourself, which I don't think is the case for you, then these are the people that tend to be the bullies, that tend to be the, the, the most judgmental people, from my, from my experience anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk a bit more about, uh, Luke, what you mentioned before, toxic masculinity. I mean, the term is thrown around a lot, and um, I, I guess we, we see it manifested in... I mean, just look at the news in the last month of, of you know, social, sexual assault and and worse being perpetrated on women in politics, uh, walking down the street in London, um, all sorts of behaviours that that seem to point to there's something wrong with men. But what what is what's your take on on toxic masculinity and and what is it and where does it where does it come from? Maybe Luke, do you want to go first? I think you came you came from uh, past generations, basically, you know, of, of centuries, even millennia of uh, repression of feminine energy, uh, repression of the sacred feminine aspects of, of ourselves. So, and that's quickly changing, like I mentioned, you know, and women's rights, gay rights, uh, example, or the acceleration of the acceptance. Uh, but it's not, it, these are hard fought and hard won, of course. And so I think it's, it's just, uh, you know, our forefathers, you know, they had to go through lots of that kind of uh, bravado and machismo, kind of macho man kind of identity that their forefathers taught them and scenes of the father got passed on. And that's why there's so much bloodshed and violence and wars in the past. Uh, hum humanity was in a very dark phase over the last couple of centuries and millennia, always fighting, always, uh, you know, uh, dog eat dog, you know, uh, and all this kind of stuff like money doesn't grow on trees. It was very competitive. It was very cutthroat. And it's because of that excess of masculine energy. And I think that's why, you know, the gay movement particularly, uh, because gay men tend to have a, more, are more in touch with their, their feelings and their emotions and their female sides. So I think uh, gay men kind of bring that equilibrium and balance back as well, right? Yeah, otherwise, it's just so much uh, male energy only, you know, and it's lacking that female balance, then, you know, uh, again, you have that problem. Uh, and so hopefully we could, or with this awareness and with talks like these, we can educate and make people even realize this and how we can then remedy it and bring it back to a more harmonious equilibrium and balance. And that will then resolve a lot of the uh, disrespect and dishonoring of uh, the sacred feminine. 
and understanding it's not a gender thing, it's not even a sexuality thing that it doesn't matter who all of us have that male and female energies in us, it's the yin and yang polarity or the duality that you see uh, in our natural environments. So I think that's where it comes from and, and it's just being taught by society and being taught because it's just passed on, that's all. And But I think a lot of us are realizing that it doesn't serve us as a collective anymore of where humanity says it wants to hit. It's not sustainable anyway, right? So uh, we are consciously shifting it and changing it through uh, adopting better, more positive habits, like, you know, uh, uh, by, by first doing the work ourselves and then we give rise to the issues and it's kind of like, burning off the OU and then you, you rise up like a phoenix in a brand new year transformation or a caterpillar going through a metamorphosis into a butterfly. And everyone has to go through it at some point in their own way and part of their journey and, and healing and development. And I think that uh, the more it's being discussed and the more people read about it and research it and write uh, articles about it, then it helps other people. Because like what we mentioned, it's not taught in school. Your parents aren't going to teach you because their parents don't know. Then the onus is on you to go find out. And there are actually lots of tools and techniques and some of which we already mentioned early on. So I think if people take proactive steps and actions uh, to work on it and work on themselves, we can have uh, a more humble, or more uh, feminine traits like peace, joy, and, and abundance and that can be shared. Uh, and glow and then then we change the world by changing ourselves and this applies to actually women as well because some women have excess masculine energy right and then it can when you is out of balance it can be toxic so but, but perhaps you know uh, some people i'd like to end by saying that some people do say that we shouldn't lay, label it toxic but maybe say distorted and then this is a karma step down right and so this distorted is say okay you understand that it's just uh the negative aspects of when excess. So we can then say not to shame the masculine or say that it's bad because it's wrong. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's just that you can then uh, circumvent it and bring it the, the bring out the positive attributes of being masculine, such as you know, masculines are action takers, for example, right? Very good actions, very good with logic. So these are positive traits of or being male, being masculine, all right? Uh, and and says that as long as you uh, fuse it with your feminine as well, feminine aspects, and not just one or the other, all right? Uh, because you can be toxic feminine too, if you're overly feminine, or, or you have too much of that, become codependent and clingy, for example, all right? So uh, these are opposite polarities that we, if we, we are where we can bring into harmony and elevate. Mm, yeah. And what about, um, Edwin, maybe for you, I'd be curious about knowing, do you, in, in your peer group, you know, the friends who you have who are around your age, is it easy to talk about these things? Because we, we often find that men, you know, they talk about sports and beer and you know, <laughs> video games, but they don't always it's not always easy for them to talk about their emotions with each other. I mean, you're not that you're going to say, Hey guys, let's have a talk about our emotions, but just organically, it seems to be harder for them to get into these kinds of topics. I'm, I'm quite fortunate in the sense that, uh, I'm 32 this year. And I find that the older my friends get, the more open they are to, to these topics about emotional stability, 
well-being and improvement. It was definitely harder as a as a child because you'd be like, "Oh, I'm unhappy. Oh, you're such a girl. Oh, man up." And but I find that once you start going out and experiencing life in itself, changing your environment, going to uni, getting a job, maybe having children, getting married, you start to realize that a lot of people's expectations or society's expectations aren't they don't mean very much it doesn't make your life better no it doesn't make their life better no they'll make fun of you talk about it but then does it really change anything no and you stop caring about those things and you just naturally kind of gravitate towards it as just because you're being more mature about it as as an individual that fits into this world so maybe it's just my situation i don't know uh i'd like to think that uh, uh the older as people get and the more mature they get because age and maturity are two different things as well. The more mature somebody gets, the easier it is to, 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 to speak about these things because people start to realize what is really important to them. And happiness I'm sure is important to a lot of people, if not all. Yeah. Well, listen, before we go, um, just tell us a little bit, uh, are these the things you're going to talk about in tomorrow's panel and um, how can people participate in it? Should I take the lead for this one? Okay, sure. So in tomorrow's panel, we have three different guys, right? We have a heterosexual guy, a bisexual guy, and a homosexual guy. So it's balanced and equal and fair, all right? And I'm the moderator, so I'll be asking them some tough questions about what it means to be a male. And, you know, so, and it's also stuff that, you know, every girl wants to know or what, what men are thinking. It's like men are from Venus, women are from... Oh, sorry, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? So different in thoughts. And, you know, because most of the audience are women. Let's, let's be honest for that festival. And so people can join and still can sign up at www.sugarandspice.asia and you'll be on tomorrow at 5 p.m. Singapore, Hong Kong time. Fantastic. Well, it's been so great talking to both of you. Thank you so much for sharing your personal stories as, as well as the, the advice and the, the tips that you've given us. It's really been so interesting. So uh, Luke and Edwin, good luck tomorrow. And uh, thanks again for joining us on the Agenda Cafe. Thank you, Karen and Nori. We really covered a lot of topics in this one hour for everything from self-love to toxic masculinity and emotional maturity and Edwin was very on point on a lot of, of, a lot of the things he said. Oh, thank you, Luke. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Tomorrow. Okay, I'm getting <laughs> nervous now. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Honestly, I don't know what it means to be male. So hopefully I'll learn something <laughs> <Why not> tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much uh, for your time uh, this afternoon. We're speaking to Edward Chan and also Luke Elijah Lim. And thank you very much indeed to you, Karen. Thank you very much. And the last word goes to Evelyn, who says, nice insights on the Facebook page. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, oh.